0: This is Horns Up, I'm Animesh And I'm Peter And you're listening to episode number 1 Peter, I still can't believe you're doing this man
1: Neither can I dude, it's freaking great to be here Episode 0 is quite up and down but yeah, we're back
0: Yep, that's what we called last week's episode, that was episode 0 We talked about our respective journeys to discovering heavy metal music This week we're turning up that heaviness by several notches, aren't we? Oh yeah, if you're listening this to a loud volume, I think you slightly might want to take this down. Yeah, it's time to talk death metal and it doesn't get any more metal than that. So to begin, Peter, what does death metal mean to you? Well, to me, death metal is
1: quite simple. It's those heavy blast beats in your face with some crunchy guitars or even those park man. Nothing kind
0: of hits you in the chest like that. Yeah, hitting you right in the chest. That's exactly how I would define death metal. It's like a boxer repeatedly punching a slab of meat keeps on just hammering in those blows, an occasional jab here or there, and it keeps on getting more and more aggressive, more and more violent as you spend more and more time with it.
1: Oh, yeah. If your ears don't end up bleeding listening to some of the death metal albums, I'll be surprised.
0: So how did you get into death metal, man? What was your death metal journey like? How did it begin? Well, to be
1: honest, death metal was not something that appealed to me right at the start. It's, you know, it's not only just about the imagery or anything else. It's just the whole aura about it. And like we talked in the last episode, I was primarily into the hard rock, got into some of the thrash metal and stuff like that. But yeah, over a while, it kind of, I warmed up to it. And, you know, the curiosity bug hit me. And I think one of the first bands I heard was the legendary Cannibal Cops.
0: Same here. Same here. Where did, where was the first time you heard them?
1: I th- I think it was something I downloaded off the internet just out of curiosity that, you know, what the hell is this? I mean, of course, I think another band, because my memory is kind of fuzzy with this, would have also been Deicide that I heard. I mean, come on. Again, their reputation kind of goes ahead of them. Uh-huh and everyone
0: knows about Glenn Benton come on (laughs) yeah man those stories of him branding that cross on his head and upside down cross and the fact that D.I. side is literally killer of God yeah I mean
1: like come on those are one of the bands that you kind of for shock value would probably end up uh, listening to but then of course through my journey listening to bands like you know Monstrosity Obituary Legendary Names in there Immolation Again you know with the anti-religion stuff mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of sticks but if i have to compare you know new york death metal to florida the florida scene kind of appealed to me more to be honest bands right. like atheist i mean i love those the three first albums they put out yeah nothing kind of comes close to that
0: yeah it truly doesn't Atheist Atheist one of my all-time favorite bands i'm still searching for a t-shirt though which oh. just has the band logo and it sucks because Uh, The more and more you search online, it's tougher to find one because atheist equals to a lot of other things as well. You don't always get that band t-shirt.
1: So wait, hold up, hold up. That was my story, Animesh. Tell me about how you first heard death
0: metal. Well, just like you, I wasn't an instant fan. The first death metal I ever heard was probably Cannibal Corpse. Actually, it was Cannibal Corpse and that too, it wasn't by choice. Any guesses as to where I heard them? MTV? No, man. (laughs) <laughs> it was a fucking Jim Carrey movie. It was oh Ace Ventura. Oh God, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ace Ventura. And that movie, and for a kid, it was just too noisy, man. I couldn't figure out if that was actually supposed to be music. To me, it just felt like a comedy scene. But um, I got kind of got the vibe that it was a rock band. But I just didn't know for sure it was death metal. I, like you, I only got into that metal much later, and I'd say it was entirely because of death. The legendary death. As someone who really enjoyed Iron Maiden, I think uh, death was the gateway death metal band for me. And that too, most of their albums from the uh, later stage, so stuff like individual thought patterns, symbolic, the sound of perseverance, those albums are the ones that I got addicted to. And it's after digesting those later albums that I could only manage to start listening to the previous stuff because it was all still death. That's how I got started listening to uh, the other genres or the subgenres as such, of what death metal had to offer, but yeah, man. And the beautiful part about uh, a band like Death is, if you
1: visit their discography, just the way the band evolved. I mean, the last exactly. few albums yeah. of this kind of set off subgenres in death metal. I mean, the technicality in that, amazing. I mean, just visiting it, and you know, you can go through the entire discography in a day and be listening to complete different styles of death metal and not get bored of yeah, it at all. Yeah, completely.
0: I think that's that's one of the one reasons why many and absolutely definitely me consider Chuck Schuldiner to be the godfather of death metal. He, he kind of <laughs> spawned so many people
1: into death metal he probably never even realized while he was sitting in his bedroom playing his guitar.
0: Exactly. And uh, what I instantly liked also I didn't like the music as much like death metal in general, initially when I was exposed to it. But one thing that I instantly liked upon experiencing it for the first time was all that artwork, man. I mean, you can't (laughs) help but chuckle at seeing some of that stuff, Uh, skeleton man eating his own (laughs) intestines. I mean, that's so gross. It's so, there's no other word for it. It's so metal. Yeah, I mean, I think that was also one of the cool parts about
1: Discovering metal in like the 90s and the early 2000s and stuff, while you still looked through the CD covers and tried to figure out which album you listened to. I mean, just take for example, Death or Cannibal Corpse or Obituary. Just looking at all their artworks, it kind of stood out in a CD rack or a of cassette course, rack. For sure. It can
0: make you want to at least take a double look at it. And I don't know about you, but I remember at Planet M, I would get looks, weird, funny looks from the cashiers because. I used to have like two or at least one death metal cassette (laughs) among all the cassettes that I used to buy. And they would be like, why are you buying this?
1: (laughs) And that's one of the things about being a metalhead, no matter where you are or what you do, you kind of stand out in a way. And artwork is no different (laughs) from there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we could go on rambling forever, but we've got someone with a lot more experience to help us out. Right. And it's all thanks to you, Peter.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we kind of lucked out while we were discussing what we should be doing in the next episode. And coincidentally, I get an email about this death metal stalwart, as I'd like to call him. And yeah, it's none other than Eric Rutan.
0: Yeah. Now, I'd expect all of you out there to know who Eric Rutan is. But for those of you who don't, well... Uh, Eric's a New Jersey native. His first band was Ripping Corps, with whom he recorded the excellent Dreaming with the Dead. He then left the band to join Morbid Angel and has since had three successful stints with them. Of course, in 1996, he found his own band, Hate Eternal, which to date has released seven studio albums. Peter, why should anyone care about Eric Utan? So, if you don't
1: know him for his bands, you will definitely know him for his production. He's started the Manor recordings and been responsible for numerous recordings if you check out the liner notes you might probably see his name in there but i first heard him on cannibal corpse kill oh man what an album that was excellent album yeah just the production and it was a complete evolution of the band for people who've been following their discography
0: it was just something hearing that recording for the first time man awesome so this is it let's tune in joining us from his very own mana recording studios from saint petersburg in florida Here's Eric Rutan. Eric, welcome to Horns Up. Thrilled to have you on as our first guest.
2: Uh, Thank you very much.
0: And of course, congratulations on Upon Desolate
1: Sands. It's definitely a ripper of an album.
2: Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, Really proud of the new record. And we worked our tails off on it, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited about Upon Desolate Sands. So,
1: Eric, let's take you back to your roots. How did you discover death metal?
2: Well, I mean, for me, it really started when I was young. Um, you know, my my uncle listened to, like, Black Sabbath and, you know, ACDC and Alice Cooper and Kiss and stuff like that. So, so really, my first introduction to, like, heavier music was, it was through my uncle. But um, the thing that I first got into, you know, the first band that I actually bought record-wise was Iron Maiden. You know, Iron Maiden... Yeah, okay really made me uh like a devout metal fan and then judas priest and black sabbath and ozzy you know and then uh on to metallica and slayer uh and then uh, you know on to death metal after you know pretty much in order you know i mean luckily for me that's the one thing i guess cool about being as old as i am i'm you know i'm an old man i'm 47 right so you know like (laughs) uh you know i grew up during the birth of metal right so i mean i pretty much was always looking for for heavier music um and as heavier music came along i kind of followed you know and so you know pretty much you know after getting into metallic and slayer and then the thrash you know of course like exodus and possessed and creator and destruction and stuff sodom you know um just kind of moved on into heavier music, you know? And I, I, for me, when I first started playing guitar, when I was a teenager, I mean, I meant, you know, all those bands I mentioned, Slayer, Metallica, you know, Ozzy, all that stuff, you know, Iron Maiden and, and Judas Priest inspired me so much, but I wanted to play heavier, more aggressive music. Um, and at that time, I mean, death metal wasn't a term that I even knew, you know, it was, it was pretty much the, um, beginning stages of the birth of the music um so but you know i ended up finding you know as i started writing music you know i ended up um playing in a band called ripping corpse and then um you know we ended up finding out about death and morbid angel and and dsi and you know cannibal course but all this stuff kind of came out right around as we were doing um you know our music so uh i guess you could say i mean i just been Involved with the music since the birth, you know, um, just listening, being a fan and also playing.
0: So now at 47 years old, what does death metal mean to you?
2: I mean, death metal is, man, it's it's so much of my life, you know. I mean, I've dedicated 30 plus years of my life to the genre of music. Um, so, I mean, death metal, man, it, it's... I mean, when you look at what I've accomplished in my career uh, with producing and and with playing music, um, I mean it's just such a huge part of my life. Um, I love playing death metal. I love listening to death metal, and uh, I mean it's 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 so much of, of who I am and everything I've accomplished. Though I I mean I would say it's just a huge part of me that uh, will never leave. I mean I love playing this music man I mean I love writing this music and I think that inspiration shows you know when you listen to a hate eternal record I mean if you listen to upon desolate sands I think you can hear the I, I'm constantly inspired I guess because I love playing this music uh, this music really saved me in many ways as a kid you know it gave me something to focus all my negative energy into something that turned into such a positive attribute for my life um, and so it's it's not just like music I listen to or music I play I, it, it's kind of a, a really essential part of who I am and 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 who I've become so I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had through death metal and and been able to really honestly turn my life around in a way uh, through playing this music.
1: And that's great to hear. You know, Animesh and I have a very similar line of thought when it comes to this. We like to call ourselves lifers. You know, it's really great to hear your journey considering, you know, it's very similar to ours. And of course, we both feel that it's not something that's going to end soon.
2: I can't ever imagine there'll be a time where I'm not, you know, popping on metal. I mean, it's just impossible. I mean, I'll be, if I live to 80 or 90, I'm, I'm still going to be cranking, you know, these records. I mean... I mean, I love this music so much. I, I just, I never understood people like oh, uh, when people say they grow out of this or they moved on from that. I like, I don't understand that. I mean, I like to me, I love metal and I love all the different subgenres of metal. So I, you know, I mean, I'll be listening to metal until my until the day I'm gone. So, uh, I mean, I love metal. I love playing. I can't even imagine not playing it either. It, it's it's almost seems like impossible for me to imagine my life without metal. It just won't happen.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought up Ripping Corpse, Eric. You know, Dreaming with the Dead is one of the best death metal albums I've heard in a while. And what's the story there? How did you get to be a part of the band?
2: Um, Well, you know, Ripping Corpse, I mean, those were guys that I had been friends with since, you know, I was was young, Um, you know, Brandon, the drummer I went to school with since we were young kids, and uh, the other guys I became friends with when I was, you know, probably 14 or something. Um, Ribbon courts formulated, and I ended up starting to play with them. And jeez, I want to say it was like 1988 or something. I, I was 17, I was still in high school. Uh, and, um, you know, we ended up doing our uh, first record in, in 91, you know, when I was 19 and um i mean ripping course man i mean that was that was the beginning of everything you know we uh man we did lots of shows and we, you know we did some we did some mini tours with more of an angel during Some madness and bless other sick and that's kind of how i met trey and everybody in the band uh-huh. uh, we did we did a bunch of probably like 10 shows together i think and um you know i mean ripping course was some great times with some great friends you know and uh, we only got to do one record, but uh, we were a little ahead of our time in those days, I think, and um, we had a hard time getting another record deal because people really didn't understand what we were doing. It was kind of really advanced, uh, and uh, but um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the for ripping Corbs and men. Still to this day, I still talk to all the other guys, and uh, we keep in touch and. Um, I have nothing but the best memories of ripping course, man. I mean, we had some great times, some fun memories, and uh, the record still to this day. I'm still proud of the record very much, man. It's my first record ever, and my first experience um, recording an album, um, and and really that experience is what shaped so much of who I am today as well. Is because uh, I had done you know demos before that in studios, uh, but. Uh-huh. It's pre- us recording our first album Ripping Corps is what made me want to become a producer and own a studio someday, uh, to be able to be kind of a guy that understood heavier music and could record my own band's albums and some of my friends' bands and stuff like that. And, and certainly it turned out way beyond what I ever thought, uh, my producing career. But, um, but that that record really shaped so much of of everything I do today because that experience is what led me to wanting to in a studio and be a producer um, and continued down the path as a musician recording more records um, because to me writing an album composing and creating songs and then recording that album to me that's just some of my favorite stuff you know in the in the world
0: Alright, now, after Ripping Corpse, you went on to be a part of Morbid Angel, and not just once, but for three stints. Uh, what were your learnings there? And uh, as a second question to that, uh, what was the process like? How is it different from the process you follow at Hate Eternal?
2: Oh yeah, uh, certainly Morbid Angel, you know, um, you know. first of all, when I started playing with Morbid Angel, man, I was 21 years old, so... Um, it was, it was like an incredible, obviously, experience. I mean, my first time playing with Morbid Angel was for Covenant. Um, and they had just, you know, they had just recorded the record. And they needed somebody to tour. And um, I ended up touring with them for Covenant upon its release. And then joining after Covenant uh, for Domination. And then, of course, touring for that as well. Um, and it was definitely, um, every band is different and unique, you know. I mean, Ripping Corpse, um, I man, like I said, we were all like, we all known each other forever. We were friends and family, kind of. And then, you know, Morbid Angel, when I joined Morbid Angel, man, they were like just the next level over They were already recording, you know, Covenant, which is their, you know, biggest record to date. Um, and they were, you know, about, Oh, man six or seven years older than me so I so I really I learned so much about so many things from those guys when I joined um and um definitely every band is different and unique you know uh um, Morbid Angel you know obviously Trey has a vision of what Morbid Angel should sound like and what it should be and 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 so did David at the time um and you know it was certainly joining Morbid Angel I had to kind of uh, you know adapt a little bit to create music that would you know fit the mold of what morbid angel should be and what trey you know would approve man and so i mean i was fortunate enough to write five songs for domination um and um obviously they sound like me they definitely have kind of my oh, yeah. signature sound but the, at the same time um you know i i would pretty much write stuff and i'd say hey trey what do you think and he might say ah that doesn't really fit more of an angel uh and i just okay. keep working and working and working and you know i don't get frustrated easily so i would just keep working and working and writing stuff until um pretty much those guys approved it and and you know uh with hate eternal um you know i mean i i write him a majority of the stuff but jj you know who has been playing with me for over 10 years now okay. Uh, J.J.'s been playing me for over 10 years, you know, we've co-written the last three records together, and um, to me, I just pick the best of the best, you know, whether it's J.J.'s riffs or my riffs, it doesn't really matter, like, you know, I think whatever's the best material is what ends up going on the record, and I mean, they're both, they're totally different, hate eternal more range, they're just very different, Uh, but it, you know, as I certainly... A lot of what I learned in Ripping Corpse and a lot of what I learned in Morbid Angel, I certainly put into how I operate with, with, uh, Hate Eternal, of course. Um, and, but they're completely kind of different operations, I guess.
1: Just to kind of switch gears, I wanted to talk to you about record labels. Uh, while doing our research, we found, you know, Hate Eternal's first three albums were released by Yurik Records. And again, they were one of the biggest labels in their time doing death metal. So what do you think was the influence of labels like Earache, Roadrunner on the overall death metal scene?
2: Well, Earache and Roadrunner were really the two major labels that, you know, major independents that really just like signed all the killer bands. You know, I mean, like when I was a teenager, I remember, you know, buying Napalm Death and Carcass you know on earache and man i mean i just thought i'd love the hell out of those early napalm and, and carcass albums um and then of course you know Morbid angel and entombed um you know i think that you know earache certainly was a big part of the beginning and then roadrunner well man you know they had deicide and obituary and, and pestilence oh, yeah. and malevolent creation um suffocation you know geez i mean you know Roadrunner had so many of, of some of my favorite bands uh, in death metal. Um, and they certainly uh, were kind of a huge part of the beginning uh, of, yeah. of death metal, for sure.
1: I think, you know, the Roadrunner catalog, most death metal fans would definitely have. I mean, they had bands like Deicide, Obituary. The list just goes on.
2: You have to. yeah, You have to own that stuff. You know, that that's <laughs> like, you know, that's all that. That's some really... You know, some of my favorite death metal records were on Roadrunner and Earache.
0: And of course, all that artwork. I mean, here in India, just seeing artwork that visualized so many unique ideas, definitely influential, huh?
2: Yeah, that's I totally agree. I love the art, you know, a lot of the covers from back in the day. And, you know, Dan Seagrave certainly did a lot of great covers, you know, from Morbid Angel and Suffocation uh, and other bands. And uh, I, I totally agree. you've
1: been a metalhead for almost four decades as a fan and as an artist what do you think has changed over the last few years you know the fans labels death metal itself
2: um well i mean music has you know evolved obviously you know into many more sub genres and things that i can't even keep track of you know like I mean, somebody would be like, "Hey, do you like so and so whatever metal?" And I'm like, "Wow, I've never even heard of that subgenre of the genre, you know?" So, um, but I think music has certainly evolved in in some degree um, as far as what people are doing and kind of uh, putting in various influences and stuff that wasn't maybe there 25 years ago. Uh, the crowds, um, I mean. They, you know, they honestly, I mean, it's like for my whole career, there's been, man, there's just been so many great people that I've met over the years. And, you know, now it's, it's amazing that I meet people and they're introducing me to their kids, you know, like, like (laughs) I met, like, I can't tell you how many guys I met, um, on the last few tours, where they're like, yeah, I met you in 95 during Domination. Here's my son. He just turned 18, and it's his first, you know, whatever concert or something. You know, I mean, so um, it, it's incredible that I'm meeting generations of families that have been following my career. Um, and the one thing I've noticed is just that this kind of music, it just generates such loyalty. And and the thing is, is that I always I always think about that, uh, you know, that I don't take it for granted the fact that people you know have followed my career and 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 buy the records that I do and and I I mean the the more I do the more compliments and things I receive uh and and it, you know it's I guess I just the, the older I get the more I do it the more humble humbled I become as a as a person because I just think wow you know you meet guys on tour that say such nice things and say, man, your music, I've been listening to your music for, you know, almost 30 years, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, it's hard to believe that one, the time went pretty quick. And then two, that I've been doing this for that long. Um, and, um, I mean the crowds and the fan bases, they change over time, but the one thing that doesn't change is kind of the loyalty to the music and the passion for that music. And I certainly, um, Man, I, I, I appreciate that to, to no end.
0: All right. As a follow-up to that, I'd like your thoughts on something. Now, in today's world, attention spans are super short. Everything's easily skippable. And, well, it just takes a lot of effort to really sink your teeth into something. Do you think this has affected heavy metal in any manner?
2: I, I think it does in the sense of, like, you know, when I was younger and a record came out, man, you, you I mean, I would... Like, that record would be in my, you know, whether cassette or record, vinyl or or CD. You know, man, I would listen to that thing over and over and over again for months, years, still listen to it. And uh, we're now, I think people tend to move on quick, here today, gone tomorrow, just like like the news, you know, something's in the news, and then two days later, it's already forgotten about. I think we have such a wealth of information now that you didn't have back in those days that yeah, the attention span is so limited. So that's the one thing I've noticed is that records don't have the same longevity per se.
1: Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, in the last episode, Animesh and I were discussing about our mutual love for Iron Maiden. I mean, Power Slave, I listened to that album for almost two weeks at a stretch. What do you think about the whole trend? How has it affected you as a musician, Eric?
2: I guess... um you just kind of realize as a musician, like maybe 20 years ago when we were doing records, those things, it was a different, it was a different thing where now you just kind of know that when you put out, I mean, like you'll release a record now. And then like three months later, somebody's like, Hey, when are you doing a new record? And you're like, wow, we just released one like three months ago that took two years to, to create. But um, so I, I guess, you know what, one thing I do is I guess myself personally is, I try not to let outside sources or things I can't control control my thoughts or my emotion, because the one thing I've learned over my time and not just in my life, um, but in my career is that, you know, you can only change the things you can change and focus on the important things in life and, you know, let the things that you can't control fall by the wayside cause it's just a waste of energy. And so, you know, for me, a lot of kind of what I do, I just, I just really, I'm very, I'm just a very focused person. So I try not to focus on, um, uh, things I can't change, you know, I mean, right. because there's no point in it. Um, and you know, a lot of that comes from just, uh, I guess, you know, there's like lots of mantras and things that I kind of live by, um, and you know, I kind of tell myself all the time, and I, and and I, I'm pretty loyal to those mantras because I feel like by focusing on the things I can change and not worrying about the things I can't, uh, it just helps my life in a in a, in a positive fashion.
1: So, wait, this is our death metal special episode, so I want to throw the ball in your court. What have you been listening to Eric? What are the bands that you've been listening?
2: I mean, you know what? I uh like newer bands or older bands or
1: Oh well, it doesn't matter. We just want to know what's on your playlist at the moment.
2: Well, I can tell you that the last you know, I just got home from tour and so we we're listening to I mean, there's some there's certain staples, man, that I listen to and not just death metal but you know, like man, some of the records that I just listen to on a on a pretty regular basis you know, Metallica, Master of Puppets. I mean, oh,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, you know, classic. <laughs> the Iron Maiden catalog. I mean, you can just go from the beginning. You know, I have been mean, Power Slave to oh, yeah. you know, Peace line Mind, Number of Beasts. I mean, I've been listening to these records. You know, Slayer, Hello Awaits, Rain and Blood. I mean, some of the classic kind of metal records I've been listening to a lot lately. But I also listen to, you know, of course, you know, Deicide, Suffocation and things like that. But um, also like bands like, you know, uh man other stuff you know like man Ozzy of course man I mean I love Blizzard of Oz and Diver, Man I Man those are two of my favorite records and you know Van Halen man I mean we crank all kinds of stuff but I mean that's a lot of what I've been listening to lately
0: now to wrap things up we'd like to play one of the songs from Upon Desolate Sands Uh which one should we play and why
2: um hmm
0: I know it's a tough uh, one <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, geez, man, that's a, it's a tough call because like all, all nine songs have their place on there. So I guess I, you know, I, I will, um, I'll say all hope destroyed because I think that's musically speaking. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, it's got a lot involved to it and it really kind of showcases a lot of the musicality of everyone involved in the band and, uh, it's definitely a song that I'm really proud of.
0: Done. We'll cue that one up in just a bit. Thanks a bunch for taking some time out for us, Eric. Hope to see you in India soon, man.
2: Oh boy, yeah. I hope I hope I get to come to India someday as well. And um, man, I, I that's India is one of the countries that I've oh, man I've always thought I would love to come to and play and um, just you know I I, I really really hope someday i get to come to india it's it's one of the countries on my on my list of places i haven't been to uh because I've, as you imagine i've been to many places but certainly i hope someday i have the pleasure and honor of of, of coming to india and uh, thank you so much for the interview and uh have a great week
1: you too man cheers horns up cheers thank you
0: That was Eric Rutan and here's the song he asked us to play from Hate Eternal's latest album Upon Desolate Sands, this is All Hope Destroyed. solid track, man. What did you make of it? Did you enjoy the album?
1: Oh, yeah. I actually was listening to it a bit uh, this earlier this week. In preparation?
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you'll notice is just, again, like his production, his songwriting has also kind of evolved. You find some melodic parts in there. So, yeah, it was quite uh, refreshing just to see the way they have evolved as a band also. I mean, their seventh album in, you know, you'd think they'd kind of get into a rut, but yeah, he they're still keeping it fresh.
0: Yeah, man. I one thing that I have to talk about though is the drums. That that had to have been one of the world's best cardio exercises ever. <laughs> it's just constant blast beats and fills, blast beats and fills, blast beats and fills. I mean, there's I, no
1: there's no let up. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things I generally enjoy about death metal, also, and especially bands like Hate Eternal. The, it's start to finish brutality. Ex- it's brutality. I mean, this yeah. is something I'd completely enjoy listening to while at the gym, working out and stuff like that. It just doesn't let you go.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's move this episode to the ending point. Peter, what have you subject yourself to in this past week?
1: So the first album I'd like to mention is uh, the Legendary Master. They're one of the early bands, kind of set the tone for... Death metal. They're out they have the new album, Vindictive Miscreant, out on shout out to Transcending Obscurity, oh, straight yeah, out Neil of Juxy, raise them horns up. Oh yeah. Straight out of Bombay here. I'm really glad, you know, a label like that is putting out a band like this. And you know, for those of you who've been listening to Master shouldn't be surprised. You know, meat and potatoes, death metal, straight up, unrelenting for the entire album, start to finish. So, those of you who
0: love the old-school death metal, you should definitely check it out. What about you, Anamesh? Well, I took your word and I checked out Psychroptics As the Kingdom Drowns. I can see why it's been applauded, but... Uh, that again, for me, it kind of really didn't hit the spot. Okay. It's very sweet technical death metal, don't get me wrong, but can I remember any of the riffs after one listen? No, maybe I need to listen to it twice or thrice, but... It didn't have that absolutely memorable thing or that one singular memorable thing for me. What do you
1: think about, I'm very curious to know, what do you thought about the uh, female vocals in there, that part? Because that was for me was something where you don't really see it in death metal. It was more predominant in, say, black metal earlier. And I think that's where they kind of pushed the envelope forward on this
0: album. I mean, it's not something that's never been done before. So uh, we've heard music like that in the past. So it did really didn't open up a new dimension or something of that sort. That being said, I don't think it's a bad album at all. Yeah, It's just, I didn't think it was memorable enough for me. Fair Anyways, enough. yeah. So that, that that was one thing that I heard. So Any other new stuff you've checked out? Oh yeah, the, there's another band
1: which just earlier this month put out their album. Uh, Zealotry, uh, at the nexus of all stillborn worlds. Okay. It's quite Can a you mouthful. spell that band name out for us? Z e a l o t r y okay cool yeah so again there's something about you know checking out bands that you just released their album and especially i did have the promo copy for it uh-huh. but man this band kind of blew me away what it, do they play no surprise death metal
0: <laughs>
1: but these guys are really something i mean you see a lot of technical i mean while i am partial to a bit technical I've been listening to a lot, at least for this episode, prior to this, listening to a lot of old school stuff. And these guys, again, unrelenting, I think you might enjoy it just in terms because you enjoyed the hate hey Arnold, the drums. I don't know, I can't remember the drummer's name, but this guy has really put in the hard work on this album, man. So definitely, I think you should check this one out.
0: All right, I will. Uh, the other album I like to talk about is Toad King. Okay, it's a really short three-single EP from this band called Goblin Smoker. No surprises uh, to guess what genre it is. It is doom. Yeah, it's it's sludgy. It's more it's okay. more sludge metal than it is doom, but yeah, it it kind of uh, sits in between that or melts both of those. It's the sludgiest sludge I've heard or the doomiest sludge I've heard in a long time. It's something that I keep reaching back for whenever I need to just tune other things out All right. and focus. So yeah, that's Goblin Smoker's Toad King.
1: All right. And my last pick is uh, an Indian band uh, from Hyderabad called Godless. I've heard October. a lot about them. Oh yeah, you should definitely check out their EP Swarm. They released it uh, earlier this year in October. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really enjoy about this band is as relentless they are on record, they're equally live. And okay. Their vocalist, I mean, shout out to Kaushal. He really is a monster. And he's part of five different bands at this moment. Holy shit, he's keeping busy. Yeah, but he puts on a complete different persona for each. I mean, you have to kind of hear it. And, you know, at five tracks, it's a quick listen, but it's intense. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about Godless, both live as well as uh, on the record. Start to finish intense. No bullshit, death metal.
0: All right, so I'm gonna definitely going to be adding that to my playlist. And yeah, that's it. That's it for episode one. As always, he's at Trend Crusher on social media. I'm at Asmohani, only on Twitter. Thanks for listening and thanks for throwing them horns up. And
1: hold them up high.